earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, thanks for waking up with the Wake Up Call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton. We're hanging out with you. A couple more hours left uh, on the show. As always, hanging out on this Football Friday on the fan in the drive. Hubler.com studios. Big game on Sunday. Cannot wait. A full weekend of college football. KB, did you see? Is it Kim Jong? Is that who it is? Who's the, the picker for Duke Notre Dame on Saturday? Does that move the needle for you at all? Because it doesn't for me. I don't mind admitting. We have to rejoice for Uh-oh. just a second. Wait, what happened? This is Ryder Cup, Mark. Uh, Kim Jong, that's the hangover guy, <laughs> okay. right? Yeah, it's he, a hangover guy. Ken Jong. Yeah. Ken. Ken. Is it Ken, Ken or Kim, is it Kim? Kim is the guy. Kim is in North Korea. The North Korea guy. Yeah, I don't think he's making an appearance in Shashevskyville <laughs> coming up on Saturday. That'd be quite the get, though. My, <laughs> it would be quite the get there. <laughs> it, it really, it, I am, okay, funny. That's funny, okay? That's funny. My mistake there is funny. Isn't it? I mean, come on. What are we doing? That ESPN promoting that? My clapping there was for a Justin Thomas birdie. Oh, man. Okay, so follow this one right here. All right, okay? what, did, what did JT do? So it is Controversial pick. 2.02 p.m. <laughs> in Rome, right? 2.02 okay. p.m. Yeah. The Ryder Cup has been going on since this morning. I think 7.30 was right. the first tee time. They have played 78 holes of the Ryder Cup so far here in 2023, and the United States finally has their first lead in any match thanks to a Justin Thomas. Birdie. They didn't lead Great. in any of the 64 holes played this morning. Not for a minute. They Not for no, one yeah, hole. Not for one, one hole. hole. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'm with then you. This afternoon, they have been out there so far. If you combine the four matches, there's been 14 holes played. They didn't lead for any of the first 14. And leave it to Justin Thomas, the, like you said, the most controversial pick to make a birdie putt to give the United States their first lead. No! You are a huge nerd. That would be Ken is what I meant, not Kim. The critical mistake. Go from Vince Vaughn to <laughs> Kim Jong for our guest picker there. How's it going, Kim? How's your country doing? Oh, man. Coach K and him up on the old uh, game day guest picker. <laughs> Marcus Puts- Freeman's yelling at him post game like Ryan Day was yelling at Lou Holtz. Puts the mascot hell- hat on. <laughs> everyone's everyone's obviously afraid to pick I'm against him. with the Terrapins. Yeah, yeah, like Lee Corso's like, I'm not going to say hell not no. so fast, my friend, yeah. to him. I'm, I'm not disagreeing yeah, with him. I'm not disagreeing with anything he says. Kim, who'd you pick? Yeah. yeah you, I like them as well. Yeah, you the think freshmen it, have played well earlier this season. Yeah, you think it, gonna yeah, you think Indiana wins 100 nothing at Maryland? Sure. Why not? Tom Allen rallies the troops. Yeah, Duke, <laughs> Notre Dame, that's the marquee one. has got a bit, bit, bit of a relentless spirit in him I'd say wasn't it is he snapping <laughs> post game yeah. wasn't it was it reported he shot an 18 uh, in, in golf, golf he, got, he yeah. got 18 mm-hmm. straight holes in one yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't think you have the Golf Channel North Korea breaking that down oh, to explain. Man. What would Clay Travis say? Anyway, spot. anyway. Oh, man. So we lead? Who we lead? Who's our coach? I should know this. Who's our coach? Uh, Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson uh, is our coach? British Open Masters yeah, winner. We need sure. Lou Holtz at this point here for the U.S. So uh, for those that <laughs> don't care any about the Ryder Cup, we'll move on. We will move on. Uh, again, yes. Colts and Rams coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, again, the expectation is Anthony Richardson is going to be under center, it will be the first time he has played since, what was that, early the second quarter, I guess, is when he officially exited that Houston game. Again, Andy, it's been something that I asked Greg Rakestraw, I asked Joel Erickson, I'll throw it your way. Three things stand out to me about Richardson in this return. 
Do we see any sort of changing in playing style? To be fair, I think it's probably too much to expect. But again, this guy just missed time due to an actual injury. So, you know, I am curious about that. And then aspects to the actual football game in terms of passing and throwing. Do we see some more deep shot Mm -hmm. attempts? Because we really didn't see that. What we saw from Richardson in his five quarters has been... Dink and dunk might be too harsh, but more of an underneath kind of efficient passing game, which is not really what he showed us at Florida or even in the preseason. And then the other thing would be him and Zach Moss. I mean, he was with Deion Jackson in week one. Deion Jackson's not even on the team anymore. Zach Moss has proven to be a capable running back for you the last two weeks with a more of a statue at quarterback in Gardner Minshew. So what does the run game look like with Richardson and Moss? Yeah, I think... Listen, we haven't talked about this, and so I'm not trying to put bad mojo out there when I say this, but Anthony Richardson's health has been the story of the season, and KB, if they lose either the Houston or if they go and they lose that Baltimore game on Sunday, and they're 1-2 or 0-3, let's say they're 1-2 because uh, they looked much better for at least three-fourths the game than Houston, you know, you, you kind of look at it and you say... What what is the, you know the winning the win the win on Sunday I guess what I'm trying to say is kind of mask a little bit of the injury conversation right because when you win games it's okay if Richardson doesn't play in a game because you won the game now you want him to develop and all those things but it doesn't set off the alarm if they go there and Minshew is a complete unmitigated disaster in Baltimore it's like yo Richardson you got to get out there we got to have you healthy but. Being 2-1 and one and having the Rams come to town, I think, has lessened that a little bit, which is why I throw out there, like, I don't think nerves are the is the word I'm going for, but you really want to see Anthony Richardson start this game and finish this game. Right, and if the only way he doesn't finish this game is you're up thirty to ten, and Gardner Minshew's kneeling down at the end, like I'm, you know, I, obviously I'm joking, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like sure. it's, it, it, you need Anthony Richardson if he starts the game, which we all believe he's going to be doing on Sunday. You need to see him finish these games. That is so vital. I think that kind of goes into our conversation. And then the other thing you mentioned, okay, style of play, style of play. We haven't talked too much about. About it because you know the scrambles you know he's going to have those right if Aaron Donald breaks free up the middle you know Minshew's going to take that sack 99% of the quarterbacks in the league are ta- are taking that uh, that sack what can AR do to me I'm more interested does Steichen throw him right out there immediately running the football and diagramming those, those design plays. runs yeah, those designed runs that he's so good at we've given you the stat out of the three times he's been shaken up two of those have been off design runs, including Houston. I mean, if you just look at the Rams' defense, KB, uh, they're top 10 defense. They're 8th overall. They're 7th against the pass, but they're 13th against the run. And so, running the football, listen, the Colts might be a team that is going to play a little dirty. Tough defense, great field goal kicker, run the football with their quarterback and Zag Moss. If Taylor comes back, however that works out, uh, to me, if you just look at the numbers, the Rams are more susceptible to be beat on the ground. And, and so I wonder, how does that fit with Zach Moss carrying the ball a high amount of you know, carries again up in the 20s? Does he even get to 30? I don't think he does with Richardson back. But you're going to look at Richardson having, what, seven, eight runs? At 
at least uh, in this game, and there's probably going to be a couple times you're holding the breath. You're holding your breath. To me, he's got to finish these games, and that's what's yeah. so vital on Sunday. He's got to start. He's got to finish these games. Yeah, I would say this. There's probably two storylines that I'm not looking forward to getting back into. The one storyline is come Monday, the Jonathan Taylor situation again arises, and, and now it adds more. More gasoline gets thrown onto that fire, and I'm just looking forward to watching 60 minutes of football Sunday, Andy, and hopefully not having to think too much about that, because next week, unfortunately, it is right back here, front and center. The other storyline that I'm not looking forward to, and obviously this one is more of a, it might not happen, but it's to the point you just made. I, I don't want to have to harp on I know. Richardson and I know. his availability and his playing style and those things, but you also have to live in reality, and the reality is... Through three games of his NFL career, he has missed more quarters than he's played in. Missed seven, played in five. He's carried the ball 13 times in his career, and he's been hurt on three of those 13 carries. I mean, that's an absurd percentage. And obviously, one of those hits led to him missing some time. So, you know, when it's Richardson and Russ Yeast, let's pull up the name <laughs> Russ Yeast again. When it's those two, you know, kind of one-on-one in the open field on Sunday, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not expecting, like, massive changes in how Richardson plays the game, but I'm just curious. Do we see anything different from him? Again, it's a vital week to get Ryan Kelly back in the lineup as well. You know, Donald is one of the few guys... Andy, Aaron Donald, that is, that when you come to the line of scrimmage, it's like, okay, where is he at? Like, you don't say that about interior defensive linemen very often. And you go back to that meeting that happened two years ago. Donald had three quarterback hits in that game. Eventually, sent Carson Wentz out of that game. You know, to me, the only way the Rams are in this game late on Sunday is if the two guys, in Donald's case, first ballot mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, in Stafford's case, a Hall of Fame-type resume – if those two guys play like their Canton resume. And they haven't really through the first three weeks. And I don't want to act like they've been awful, because they haven't. But so much there is no Cooper Cup. There's no Von Miller. There's no Jalen Ramsey. There's no you know, even some of those fringe guys on their Super Bowl teams that, you know, played pitiful uh, uh, meaningful roles for them. Those guys aren't around, so they really need a lot. You know, that's why Puka Nakua's start to the season has been so important for them. As long as you make sure that Stafford and Donald aren't the NFC defensive or offensive player of the weeks, boy, I fully expect the Colts to win this game. Uh, going just back to the Richardson thing, uh, I-, I am not as. Uh, ap- I don't know if apprehensive is the word. I'm not as worried about talking about Jonathan Taylor. I, I-, I think it's Tuesday. Just a subject that oh, wears I know. Me Listen, out, I-, man. I-, I totally get it. I think Tuesday or Wednesday. That is absolutely probably for us. We'll mention it Monday some, depending on how the game goes on Sunday. I and hate Tuesday, in-season drama. I'd rather just talk about the game. And I get like we're not going to ignore it. Like it has to be talked about. But for me, Andy, that's a storyline <laughs> that let's let's do it in March and April and not have to worry about yeah, it. Well, in season. And yeah. again. Yeah, you can't live in fairy tale. You have to no. live in the reality of the situation. It, it, it's, but it's going to be a big story nationally. It's going to be one oh of those gosh, where it, it will resonate with us. But it's going to be a big story nationally. Probably Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, you get to Wednesday and uh, the NFL boys you take, take a little vacation. You, get, you bring in Jeff Saturday. He gives you some Jonathan Taylor uh, stuff as well. For me, now this is just for me, and I know there is nuance to all of this. Anthony Richardson, if he does not, if he is not healthy in this game or at the end of the game, 
you're go- I'm going to be put down as officially worried. I haven't been there yet. Um, his first game in the NFL, you can get your knee tweaked. I told you know you can you can get an ankle, you can get a knee, you can get a shoulder. I totally get it. He learns a lesson. You don't need to you know you can slide. You don't need to put your head down. There's that kind of a conversation. Week two, he gets the concussion. Okay, he gets a concussion on a hit. I know we didn't see MJ Stewart. I understand that, so I'm not blaming him for getting a concussion or not seeing things are happening out there. It's a damn football field. Okay. But regardless, he got injured, and it's a concussion. Then he missed a game. He missed a big game. And to me, if he, if there is an issue, concussion, ankle, knee, shoulder, finger, I know there's going to be nuance. Well, Andy, you know, this happened, and it's just bad luck. I get it. I will be worried if Anthony Richardson, and I'm not even talking about his play. I'm talking about his health at this point. If he does not exit the game in, you know, these games in a row, this game, the Tennessee game, and we kind of go, if he can't get into a, I think a rhythm, right? If he can't get into the rhythm of preparing for a team, playing against that team, getting his body right, seeing what he did right and wrong, going to the next and kind of getting into the rhythm of a long grind of a 17 game. NFL schedule, that's going to worry me. I I feel like it'll be the first time I will set off any sort of alarm. By the way, you're watching both TVs. Is my TV ahead of yours? Is that what's going on with you right now with the Ryder Cup? I want to see how close these balls are getting to the pen, and so I have to turn around to get the better. I I have horrible eyesight. Well, I know you do. On these further shots, I just, okay, the ball's in the fairway. Who cares? But the closer shots, I want to get a better angle. So I'm going to have some neck pain today. I mean, Shoffley and uh, Morikawa are down two already. Is that not going to win? Unbelievable. <laughs> I go, they yeah, played three it, holes it, or down two. What the hell? Let me go grab a TV so I can just set it right next to you. It is the sad reality, Andy, of, of, I mean, you are exactly right about Richardson shaking Matthew Stafford's hand on the way off the field and then hitting the podium and being like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just played every snap. Yeah. Like, that. Yeah. That's a box that needs to be checked, and I mean, I, I hate to even do it, but I feel like in this market, and we've heard it even in the past couple of weeks, you know, man, is this Andrew Luck? Is this? I mean, I mean, think back to Luck's start to his career. Andy, while he was taking some hits early, the dude played. He played every single game through the first three years. He was not missing practice time at all, and with Richardson, and again, a lot of this is at least I think on the concussion, part of that is a hit that you probably can look back on Luck's career and show bigger hits that he took early in the season. But, you know, he has missed, again, valuable practice time, valuable game reps. And I think the start and stop nature... It's also not going to be super beneficial. You want him to get into, to your point, consistent practice rhythm, consistent game rhythm, have to react to games, you know, obviously start home games, start road games, those sorts of things. You know, feel some of the pressure of, you know, we've talked about it this week. The Colts right now, I don't think they have a bullseye on their back, but everyone has sung their praises in a week really unlike any other we've had for the Colts in at least a year. I would say. I mean, hell, it's you're in sole possession of first place in the AFC South for the first time since the middle of the 2019 season. I mean, it is absurd how long it's been since you've been atop the AFC South. How do you react to it? Do you now have belief of like, hey, we just won on the road in the fourth quarter overtime over a legit opponent and an MVP quarterback? Do you go down that path? Or do you go down the path of a little bit more of a, 
hey, we're better than people thought. You know, people are kind of singing our praises, patting us on the back. Maybe that that hunger that they had, maybe that might not be as uh, as abundant playing a Rams team that again is beat up and then uh, on a short week. The All right, war so- is over. So last, so last week, uh, last was week. that Andrew Luck last Thursday night. <laughs> the war is over. Yep, that's who the U.S. needs in their team room right now, Captain Andrew Luck. Why is Zach Johnson our coach? I don't know. I don't Am know. I wrong to question why yeah, Zach Johnson is? He's the coach? a little cheesy for me. And why is Tiger Woods not over he's there? A grinder. Well, why is he just not over there hanging out in a golf cart somewhere? What yeah, the hell? We're gonna need Tiger on Zoom tonight. That's a must. And we're going to need Tiger to be our captain when we go to, uh, where where are we going in 2027? Well, if you don't know, Mark and I are not going to know. So we're just staring we're, at, at you. We're at Beth um, Page in 2025. The thought was uh, Beth New Page York is, would is be fantastic. Phil Mickelson. Don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, we need Tiger as the captain in 27. Beth Page is where, I mean, the New Yorkers, they give you the business. Yeah, that's, that's where them and Sergio, Sergio. Garcia got yeah, into Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Now, where is Phil Mickelson? I know, you know, and I, I'm not making light of this. Can I know you was, imagine he, what he, Phil Mickelson has some dialed up in his dra- Twitter drafts right now? <laughs> you imagine the flames he's about to be throwing? If you thought Ryan Day brought a post game to Lou Holtz, you imagine what Phil Mickelson's getting ready to send yeah, out. Yeah, but why? He doesn't think he should have been picked, does he? Well, I, I think he would say that you should have picked more live golfers. Well, given a, that there's a, only a, one in the entire tournament, a Bryson DeChambeau, a, a Patrick, Patrick Reed. Reed. <laughs> sure. I was going to ask you, where's Patrick the, Reed? Uh, the mark cheater. Your, mark your calendars. The Ryder Cup in 2027 is at, at Derry Manor in oh, Ireland, country, right? County Limerick, Ireland. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Go we're uh, the, just outside of Rome. It, it was quite humbling this morning. Alarm your went PTO off accordingly. What time did your alarm go? Alarm off? went off at 4:30. Ooh. I, I kind of did the math. I figured by that point, you'd have most of the matches making the turn, heading to the back nine, so it'd be getting juicy. And before I walked downstairs, I scrolled through the Ryder Cup app, and all of a sudden, I just see blue, 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 blue. Blue would be the European mm-hmm. indication that they have more points than the red for the United States. And that was quite humbling, going downstairs to watch four down, four down, three down, two down. I'm glad uh, the American fans don't do that. Ole, ole. I'm glad that we don't do that. We just chant. That's what Americans do. We do more of the chant. We drink beer and we chant. Well, I'd rather win. <laughs> well, that's not. And gonna, we can't do it's, that. It's not going to happen this time, KB. I hate to. I hate to tell you. I Are look, you going to be locked in on Sunday? Wait, we need to dive into this. I'm going to be multitasking. Uh, yeah. How? I He's mean, got you're, a two TV yeah, set. I'm sure. Well, no, you're well, going to be at the game, yeah, right? I'll be there. But again, you have the computer up, the iPad up. I'll have the laptop. I'm okay. struggling to find a good NFL pick this week. Honestly, the NFL game I feel the most confident about is the Colts. Yeah, you're pretty confident about the Colts. Uh, do, do you have any? Like, I, boy, I. Well, you want me to do my Sweeney six pack well, right now? We can we can probably wait. Um, but nothing just jumped off the page. Are there games that jump off the page for you? I don't know. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like the Cowboys. It's a big number. They get right against the Patriots. The Patriots should have lost to the Jets. The Patriots Six and a half with Belichick, I, though. He can make I, I that know, game ugly. I know. Well, he, well, you know. He's gonna have to make the game ugly because if the game is pretty, it's gonna be it's gonna be thirty-seven to ten if they can get to ten. They have the most sickening offense in the league. The Cowboys. Yeah, and and I'm and listen. Mark's a Bears now the fan, young kids and would, I'm a Giants would, would, would fan. Consider that a compliment. No, well, I mean it the old man way because I'm damn near forty. It's a sickening, vomit-worthy offense. They have the worst, just 
no hope offense. And that's the best way to put it. The Patriots have no hope. When you look at who they have, the personnel they have on offense, from quarterback to running back to wide receiver, they're trying to sell me Mike Gusecki at tight end. Uh Uh-uh. They have no hope. 49ers and Chiefs are two games that, I mean, they should run away with. Well, I mean spread, Mark. Oh, yeah. I'm saying they should cover the spread. I don't think the 49ers. Isn't one of them like 14 points? Yeah, 49ers against the Cardinals. I think the 40. I just think, you know, I can't Santa be Clara. watching Josh Dobbs leading a 70 yard drive with 430 <laughs> to go in the game. He's got at the, the cover. team store. I'm sure the 49ers are going to take care of it. Did, did you Josh see that? Dobbs. He went to the team store and they didn't have a Josh Dobbs jersey. And That's I, awesome. And I asked this not to make fun. If you go to the cold store, you can get a Matt Gay jersey? I would, I, would um, so. I would hope. I mean, I would imagine so, but I'm yeah. just asking because no offense to him. Sure. Until last week, no one wanted Matt Gay jersey. No one wanted one, right? Well, that's a, there goes the Gay family's <laughs> support of this show. Uh, yeah, that's probably fair. Well, they can go support JMV. That's <laughs> fair. They can go Matt have a great Gay was interview on with JMV. No, it's a great interview. This week. They EJ got into life. On uh, EJ Speed, Juju Brents, Matt Gay, uh, all player interviews this week on the show, so those will be available on the podcast. All right, we got to get to Andy's picks. We'll do that here coming up. We'll give our picks, of course, leading into Sunday. Is it one or one and a half for the Colts? Uh, I'm looking at I'm it. It's one, one and a half. I just okay. Other. So on the ESP- yeah, ESPN says it's even, but I don't trust them. No. I feel like you need to go to the uh, you know FanDuel or DraftKings. It's one and a half. Okay, so one and a half. On that line. So we'll get you set for that one again. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, going to be joining us at 9 o'clock. Looks like that fog that we had earlier. We had some two-hour delays in some of the donut counties. Looks like that is kind of worn off here on this Friday morning. Speaking of Friday, it is the final weekend of the Major League Baseball season. And if you see a Cub fan, give them a hug today. No one's given me a hug yet. The morning check. (laughs) Ashley Shop. Got three daughters. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, I don't think you want a hug from us anyway. I'm sorry, man. I mean, the Reds had the day off yesterday, so it's easy for me to sit here and just act like all is right in the world. But, boy, the Cubs over the last, what, 10 to 14 days? Uh Uh-huh. They'd lose to the Iowa Cubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they are. They The clutch hitting is gone. The the stolid bullpen is toast. And, yeah, they, they made just, two errors last night, every, too. Every Oof. outfield blunder you can have is happening. So, yeah, they are collapsing and collapsing quick. The, the it, Braves the Braves did clinch, by the way. The, yeah. uh, the number one fi- The home yeah. field advantage throughout. So that's what they were able to do. So basically heading into the weekend, it looks like this. And unfortunately, we have massive confusion because all of a sudden last night in the ninth inning of the Marlins and Mets, the Marlins are down 1-0 going to the ninth. They score two in the top of the ninth. Then Mother Nature rears her ugly head. The tarp is out at what? What, what is it? Shea, whatever C- corporate city, city field. City field. City field. So that Shea, how game old is that? Is I'm thinking Bobby <laughs> yeah. Bonilla just signed I mean, a contract. Really, yeah, you were going back at you know 15, 20 years Dwight ago. I feel like um, that game has been suspended, and if it needs to be picked up again, it will be played on Monday. Can you imagine the New York Mets players who have had vacations planned for months now, them saying, yeah, you're down 2-1 in the top of the ninth. We need you to come back and play this game because you could impact the Cubs, Reds, whoever in the playoff order. We need you for 20 minutes. 
Literally. So that's what we have to deal with right now. Uh, as the standings look, the Marlins are in third, the final playoff spot in the NL. The Cubs are a half game back. The Reds are one and a half back. Marlins have the Pirates in a three-game set on the road. Cubs have the Brewers, the resting Brewers, you would think, in a three-game set on the road. And the Reds have the most hated team in this market. That would be the Cardinals. I, I don't know. I was I was reading something. Uh, you know, even Arizona has Houston. And that's, but th- wouldn't they have to like lose out well, Arizona? Well, no, but the only reason I bring that up is that game is going to have to be finished on Monday. Because Houston has to it, win two, right, to secure yeah, their spot in the AL? It's just too close. If Houston were to win two out of the three, let's say the Cubs limp in with a win or something against the Brewers, a couple wins, the Reds win a game. I, like, I see no way that, that the Miami game is not going to have to be played. And that is the most Mets thing of all time. Isn't it the most, like, a, baseball thing, well, too? It's just, no, it's, they have had, you know, they're the highest payroll in baseball, or is it second to the Dodgers? I think it's first. And their season has been miserable. They they got two 40-year-old pitchers, and they sold both of them after like, you know, they traded them after like 18 months. They said, we're just going to give up on the season. So, KB, they gave up on the season, but even in a season where they're giving up, they can't give up until Monday. <laughs> Mets, Yankees, Padres, the three highest payroll teams this year. Oh, and none of them are making the postseason. None of them. None of them are making the postseason. All right, last night's Thursday night football. The Fighting Dan Campbells, they were impressive again. 34-20 over the Packers. Packers That is now four in a row for Detroit over Green Bay. Um, Again, I'll echo what I said in the opening segment of the show here. When you look at the NFC right now, I think we all can agree Philly and San Francisco are on Tier 1. But, boy, Tier 2 is what, Detroit and Dallas? Is that it? And then another drop? We could be looking at an NFC divisional, maybe an NFC championship appearance from the Detroit Lions. Not so fast, my friend. They're the Detroit. If they're the third I, I, best listen, team in the NFC, I, I right? I, I have a buddy who's a huge Lions fan, and he everyone was picking them to be good. And he's like, they won't be good. They'll be seven and nine, or seven and ten. They'll be eight and nine. They and look, I and I texted him last night. How about Man Campbell now running the football? They do look pretty good. Give give me one more sweep here before we get out of here. Uh, just a couple different things. College football. Purdue hosting Illinois. Good God, Purdue needs a win at home. That's at three thirty. As is Indiana. On the road, Maryland, that's at 3.30. By the way, if you're going to watch Purdue, that is on Peacock on Saturday. Play the sound, Purdue and Peacock. That is that is on Peacock. Just play the sound whenever. In, the Peacock this has sound nothing to do with St. Peter's. It strictly has to do with the network or the streaming service that they're going to be on for homecoming here on Saturday. That's it. <laughs> what if that was the so- sound that played every time you opened up the Peacock app? Instead of the dun from Netflix, you got that. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fine with it. I don't watch Peacock that much anyway. It's kind of just taking $6 from me per month, I feel like. Mark Dighton trigger happy over there with the Peacock. Well, we don't get to play it very sound, often. But yeah. Indiana, Maryland, again, that's at 3.30. And just to throw it out there, IU has made the final three for five-star guard Boogie Fland. I don't know how much you guys... Uh-oh, yeah, Boogie. Just, just, to, just to update that, that might be an Arca- you know, that might be an Indiana versus Kentucky. That very well could be Woodson versus Calipari, uh, but Boogie Fland has narrowed his list to three schools. The Peaks board is aroused right now. I mean, they absolutely are. Peaks I Let's would go. think Indiana could use a lead guard like that here, especially after the departure of Xavier Johnson upcoming this season. Uh, last bit of news. We talked about Greg Rakestraw in the opening 
uh, hour of the show. But it was announced yesterday over at IMS. The Brickyard is moving back to the Oval on that. So it'll be the first time in four years it's been on the Oval. Coming up next year, we have the 30th anniversary of the Brickyard with that. Uh, I think it was kind of only a matter of time before he got back to the Oval again. IndyCar and them had the doubleheader weekend. That's going to be no longer. IndyCar actually has a race that July 21st day coming up next year up in Canada. I did see for the playoffs this weekend, did you see uh, a couple of the drivers have uh, Talladega Night type cars? Oh, nice. Do that? I did not see um, that. I like that. I'm trying to think of what the other brand was. I saw Wonder Bread is one of the cars. Okay. And what's the other brand? Oh, goodness. I'm not going to. It wasn't Mountain Dew. I know it wasn't. I know they talked a lot about Mountain Dew. Oh, goodness. Talladega. Wasn't it the one with the, the Panther on it? Yeah, but I'm trying to. Yeah, maybe. Wonder Bread really sticks out to me. Is it Old Spice? I'm looking right now. It might be Old Spice. Yes, it's Old Spice. So, yeah, they got some yep, tribute that's cars coming up, which I think is kind of a fun little twist there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for the NASCAR crowd. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into the Colts and Rams conversation, give out some a week. Andy Sweeney was 5-1 and one on his picks last week. Yeah, the pressure's we'll see on. if he can repeat that performance, and we'll give our selections for Colts and Rams coming up. Uh, Matt Taylor in a half hour as well. Voice of the Colts at the top of the hour. Good Friday morning to you. Thank you for tuning in. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. All right, efforting Greg Rakestraw here on the program. Reminder, Matt Taylor going to join us. Voice of the Indianapolis Colts coming up at 9 a.m. I think Rake is calling back. You know, one thing I was going to ask him, it's uh, it's a lot easier to do those post-game shows after a win. <laughs> they, can, they can pile up. Uh, those losses can pile up. It's not it's not easy. Uh, having done those for other teams, uh, losing teams, I can understand how that can go. Uh, we have Greg. All right, Greg Rakestraw joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg. A, a very happy morning to you. Thanks for joining us a little bit earlier today. How are you? Thank you for accommodating my crazy schedule this morning. I appreciate that. Well, that's all right. I was going to ask you what's uh, going on with the crazy schedule, but if you want to tell us, I'll let you do that. Uh, let's let's go back before we go forward. I, I was just laughing with KB. It's got to be uh, a little bit more of a pep in the step in here in the studios after such a win, thrilling win that the Colts had Sunday in Baltimore. What did you make of the win? And uh, again, I would imagine uh, it's a different post game show had the Colts lost that game. That would have been a heartbreaking one for sure. Yeah, it, it would have been different, but I kind of felt that last Sunday was kind of a house money game, you know, for the Colts, knowing they had four or five at home, knowing that, frankly, the Colts aren't playing the toughest schedule in the league this year, and that Baltimore is amongst the best teams that we think, as they're currently constructed, they're going to play. So, so I, I think the overall mood of the show would have been okay would have been solid if, if it had been a tie or the Colts had lost in overtime or Matt Gay had not made one of those field goals. But I really get to use the word giddy uh, <laughs> in terms of the feeling going into the game and that, or post-game show. That's kind of the way that it played out. Um, that was as excited as I think uh, Bill and I were in some time because you got to remember – we had two months of shows without a win. I know. At the end of last season. I know. So, you know, the, the, the Texans was kind of, it was a good win. It's kind of what you expected. It was kind of ho-hum in the second half. Um, exhilarating would be the way to describe the way things played out for the Colts last weekend. You know, right now, saying to Andy in our opening segment, you could have your first home win tomorrow since October 16th of last year. 
Like, I mean, you haven't done a post-game win show at home in nearly a year. Obviously, the big storyline for Sunday is the expected return of Anthony Richardson. I tossed this um, to Joel Erickson yesterday, and I'll kind of toss it your way. I kind of look at three different things with Richardson in his return. Obviously, any sort of alteration in his playing style would be one. Do we see the same kind of efficient underneath passing game, or do we see a few more shots down the field? And then lastly, we've only seen him and Zach Moss for one quarter. Like, I mean, that to me would be a pretty intriguing quarterback-running back duo. Of the three, which piques your interest the most? You know, I I think it's going to be, frankly, the, the, the passing game. Uh, because, you know, Minshew is obviously a different style of quarterback, very efficient. Uh, you know, we saw, frankly, though, a lot of that kind of similar game plan for Anthony play out, you know, for the majority of the game that he played against the Jacksonville Jaguars and no really, you know, kind of deep long shots. That was in part because of trying to keep him protected against a very stout Jacksonville defensive front. You're not as worried about the Rams in total. You're worried about one very specific player. And so if, if you can keep him in check and have a game plan for him, to potentially let Anthony showcase that deep ball, that's kind of how I, I, that's what I want to see in terms of uh, differences from week one's game plan versus the difference in week four's game plan. Because, frankly, the Colts scored so quickly against Houston I, I can't I, I can't vividly remember the uh, the the number of throws that Anthony Richardson completed. I think I can count them on one hand. Uh, even though they scored twice while he was in there, so for all the changes, it is it is always can you stop number ninety nine? And does that give you a chance to run the game plan as the Colts see fit? To me, that is the ultimate question heading into Sunday afternoon. Rick, one of my favorite things uh, each week, and it probably shows the nerd level that I'm at, and I don't know, maybe you can uh, empathize with that a little bit. I love to scroll through the opposing team's roster and look for obscure names, and <laughs> what I was surprised to see this name as a starter. I kind of had forgot about him, so hand raise. But, Rake, one of their starting safeties is Russ Yeast, the yep. Center Grove product who started at Louisville, actually, transferred to Kansas State, seventh-round pick from a couple years ago, and he's been the starting safety. I, I, I kind of remember a jack-of-all-trades at Center Grove. What else am I forgetting about his high school path? Was there a transfer in there, a move-in at some yes. point? Yes, because his, his father's in the coaching profession, uh, and so family moved up here to the Center Grove area. I can't remember if Russ was here for one year or two. An obvious talent, and for as great as Center Grove has been now for the last quarter century under the tutelage of Eric Moore, they produce several major college players. There's not been an overabundance of NFL guys, or if, it, or if it's been NFL guys, it's been guys that have had a cup of coffee and 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 made a roster, uh, but not guys that have been starters. Again, this is a different Rams team. This is this is almost like we would talk about teams sitting about 20 years ago in terms of you know, and this was always the worry uh, in the early days of the Peyton Manning. You know, Marvin Harrison, Edger, and James, you know, triplets group is do you have enough salary cap space to make all the pieces fit? Well, seemingly, general managers do a better job of that. We don't drop the phrase salary cap window the way that we would 20 years ago. The Rams are kind of in that boat now where, you know, they went and blanked all them picks, won them a Super Bowl. They're kind of living with the aftermath where they've got some key pieces but nowhere near the array of stars they had a couple of years ago. So it leaves room 
for guys that are somewhat unknown other than these parts to get a chance to play. So it'll be a very cool story to see him on that field coming up on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I remember covering uh, Russ when he was at Louisville, and I didn't think too much of him, Rake. I thought, okay, he transferred to Kansas State, and it was like, yeah, whatever, and he ha- he was better at Kansas State. And to see him in the NFL and to be a starter in the NFL kind of shocks me. And it also says, yeah, the first year or two in college, I was totally wrong about you know the kind of talent the guy had. So uh, that would be exciting, him being able to come back here uh, to Lucas Oil. He's Greg Rakestraw joining us on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. You can catch him Soccer Saturday, 9 a.m. right here on The Fan. And then, of course, all the Colts Ram post-game show uh, items right here on The Fan. I, I don't know. We I mean, just had a Jordan Spieth chip in. The U.S. We? is back. Uh, Greg, do you care at all about the Ryder Cup that's going on right now? I'm assuming no is going to be the answer. Oh, he cares. I, 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 I do. Okay. It's interesting to me. I am not at the DEFCON you know, right. one level of Kevin Bowen caring about it. Yeah, well, I'm amazed it took eight minutes into our conversation <laughs> for something to be brought up about it. Well, it's the, the contest might be just about over. I'll, but, I'll keep you posted, yeah, yeah. Rake, for the rest of the we'll, interview. We'll, I know you're on pins and needles. Yeah, we'll, we'll text you what happens later on this morning. I guess what should be the level of excitement? around Shane Steichen. He looks more than competent. Uh, I think, you know, the first few games, you can kind of see he's a pretty smart dude. The team has bought in. That's always vital. What do you make of Shane Steichen through a couple weeks here? Very impressive so far. And I know there was there was some, you know, talk about, hey, you know, specific play calls or, or you know, going forward on fourth down when that didn't work out so well against Jacksonville. Um, I, I think that's just the M.O. of the modern football coach. It's almost stunning when teams don't go for it on fourth down. Uh, Vikings, Chargers, last week, ring a bell. Um, and, and so it, it just kind of is what it is. But, no, I, I think it has been overwhelmingly positive. And, frankly, it has backed up. There is even kind of a feeling when you just rattled off the different quarterbacks that he worked with and, and something that is so impressive in coaching to me when you're able to say, all right, these are the pieces that I have, this is the best way that we can win. Yeah, there's a system I like to play or I like to coach, but I look at the guys on the roster and say, all right, this is how we have to win. So the fact that he developed winning offenses with guys who had the difference of games, uh, Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and, and Jalen Hurts, I'm like, all right, you have my attention. Um, and, and he is very much a no-nonsense guy. Um, he, he fulfills his media duties. I don't think it's his favorite thing to do. Uh, it, it, it's just time-wasting before you get to go back and scheme up more plays and coach your football team. So uh, I, I don't care about the quote. I care about the W's. And so far, they're 2-1. and one. His first month as the head coach of the Colts was a winning month. I like that. It makes my job easier as the post-game show host. So uh, I am very pro-Shane Sykin for three games. He's the great, great Greg Straw. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Right, a couple other items I definitely want to make sure we get to. Obviously, you do a lot of coverage around the month of May, and even when the Brickyard rolls around in July. We saw the announcement yesterday, the Brickyard moving back to the Oval. So we'll still be in kind of that mid to late, I think it's the 21st of July, uh, date coming up in 2024, but back on the Oval. I'm kind of of the opinion, Rake, that we just got to accept the crowd's going to look spotty. That's just part of the venue, and that's part of the lack of attention, I guess, on it. But it seems like this is kind of what everybody wanted to see NASCAR back on the Oval and not on the road course. Based off your 
you know, trips out there for the Brickyard, what do you think the opinion is from uh, from the NASCAR folks? It's funny. I, I think the NASCAR folks are very much pro oval, and and the, the different arguments that I go. I've got nothing for that. When you talk about the history and tradition of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that is obviously on the oval. And so that is a fair point. So when you have, again, guys that are now kind of the old heads of the series, and Kevin Harvick, who obviously is retiring, and Kyle Busch that say, hey, when I think of Indy 500 history, I think of Indianapolis Motor Speedway history, it's the oval, there's no counter to that. I, I nod my head and go, and go yes. I think there's a lot of folks that say, hey, I'm happy they're going back to the Oval. They aren't going to purchase tickets either way. Uh, and, and so it's going to look different. I hope there is an attendance bump uh, going back from the road course to the Oval. Frankly, the road course, I thought, gave you kind of more exciting racing and, frankly, masked you know, the, the, the attendance issues. Uh, I thought it served a couple of different purposes. Here's what I think it ultimately comes down to. Does the newer technology car provide better racing uh, on a flat track, on a flat oval, because there's really only one like it in Pocono, and obviously Pocono has the ability to kind of go three, four, five wide, especially on the front straightaway, that isn't replicated at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Two, um, what is the obvious pro of getting out of the way of the football season with having the race be really the weekend before, say, training camp would open, um, does, does that outweigh the fact that on July 21st, it could be a million degrees in Indianapolis and on those hot seats um, for an afternoon race? And so that really is, I think, what the debate will boil down to. But whatever it is, there has to be some level of date equity uh, from NASCAR in terms of running running the Brickyard 400 because that race has moved around so stinking much. You got and and there and this year's a little bit different because they had to get it out of the way before the Olympic break. It's why the IndyCar series is running in Toronto opposite the Brickyard. I think this is just the second time that IndyCar has had a race opposite Brickyard weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So to me, that's the ultimate debate of yes, the return of the Oval I think is largely a good thing. But now will NASCAR not just leave the racing format alone? I think that's less important than leave the stinking date alone. Let people have an idea, hey, this is where this is going to fit in on the local sports calendar. Greg Rakestraw with us here on The Fan. Uh, I want to ask you about high school stuff going on tonight and this weekend. But quickly, Indiana, IU goes to Maryland. Purdue, yet another home game hosting Illinois. Any reason we should think either one of these teams can win on Saturday? Yes, because they're playing Maryland and Illinois. Uh, and, and, and it's, again, it's not ringing endorsements of either team. Uh, and frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them lose. But in terms of the college football discussion, to keep it, you know, in, in, keep it in the, uh, out of the realm of, hey, what time does basketball practice start? Uh, they need to win these two games. And I realize, again, Indiana at Maryland has not been successful. Purdue and Illinois, it's, it's, it's kind of been back and forth. Um, but but these are two teams that are careening into obscurity. Uh, Indiana has obviously lived there a lot longer than Purdue has of recent ilk. But uh, my my give a darn factor is very low, and it only lower if it's L's that go up uh, tomorrow afternoon from either of those two teams. Rick, last week we asked you about 6A, and you talked about the depth and just the parity you feel like it has. I wanted to ask you about some of the lower classes, and may, maybe a little bit more, just kind of on a local angle. Obviously. 
Chittard in 3A speaks for itself. But 1A and 2A, uh, what do you see in those two classes from a local angle as the playoffs are uh, quickly approaching? Well, 2A seems to be pretty wide open this year, not not just locally, uh, but kind of around the state. You know, and and the team that in 2A, you know, kind of had a run for a while was Ritter. Their program's in in a different place right now. Uh, And so 2A, you know, oftentimes is kind of defaulted to Lures or Modern Day. uh, And and Modern Day appears a bit down, but they play such a great schedule. Uh, There was an old statement about them a couple of generations ago, 0-8 and and going to state. And, And that might be the case this year because of whom they play in the regular season. You could say the same about Fort Wayne Lures. So in 2A, you know, Bluffton's having a good run. Brownstown Central is always good. Linton Stockton had one really lost to Monrovia, but they're kind of climbing back up the charts. I'm not sure we'll see an area team in 2A make the state championship game. Heritage Christian would be probably the best opportunity, uh, you know, for that to be the case. Uh, Now, um, from a 1A and 3A standpoint, Chittard is the heavy favorite. But give Garen Catholic a lot of credit. They really played them well uh, in a low-scoring game. Chittard won 13-7 last week. So you would think at some point in time those two teams are going to see each other yet again. Uh, and, and that might be Chittard's only true hurdle in terms of winning a, a 3A state championship. Now, uh, in terms of 1A, uh, we're going to see a rematch of last year's state championship game between Lutheran and Adams Central. I'm not sure Adam Central has anything for Lutheran. I'm not sure anybody in 2A would have anything for Lutheran. And I think Lutheran would be pretty competitive in 3A. That's the job that Dave Fash has done in terms of building that program down there. They're going to face a really good Monrovia team tonight. That's actually uh, one of the better games in the area this evening. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Monrovia has lost one time. Triton Central in 2A beat them substantially, 55-28. But Monrovia is averaging rushing for over 400 yards a game. Wow. So I think Lutheran will win, but I expect Monrovia to give them maybe a bit more competitive game um, than than some of the ones that Lutheran has had so far. Rick, we've got Westfield and Avon. What do you got tonight? Uh, Tonight I will have Lawrence North and Warren Central. So, you know, I had my... Southern Indiana Sojourn last week, and we carried four or five different games on ISC, and, and, and my producer, J.D. Arlen, was in my ear saying, all right, here's the halftime scores of the other games. And he's like, uh, Ben Davis is leading Lawrence North 55-14. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? And he's like, yeah, 55-14. Uh, and so uh, I, I thought Ben Davis would win that one. I was stunned that it was as lopsided as it was. And you wonder if there's a bit of a hangover effect for LN after letting one slip that they should have won at Carmel the week before. So we'll see which LN team shows up uh, through a quirk in the schedule. This is Warren's last Mick game. They finished with Carmel and Christian Brothers out of St. Louis to finish the season. So they've got a chance to kind of post a 4-1 and record and maybe finish second in the league. So these are two teams that are probably starting to angle towards the postseason already in week number seven. So we'll see uh, what each one of those have tonight on uh, ISC and MyNDTV23. The U.S. is weathering a little bit of this early afternoon storm here, Rick. Tied currently in three of the four matches, one down in the other one. Wanted to make sure that we snuck that in before we let you sometimes, go. So, so sometimes I, I, I try to give you know gifts or nuggets you know, to the show host. I'll try to help Andy here. Allow me to lob you a question. Um, do you feel you're a better four-ball player or foursome player, Kevin? Ooh. Gosh, I, I, I think four sums is such a great challenge. Clearly, the U.S. has had major issue. Four balls easier. Um, but I, yeah, I would say four sums. I, I, I don't make enough birdies to be a great four ball player. 
Andy, how many jokes about foursomes are you making in your head well, right I now? I mean, no, I, and, and KB was smiling. I couldn't tell if he was smiling because yeah, he's that like, sounds like a Tyreek yeah, Hill quote from yeah. earlier in the week, Hey, I honestly. get to say foursome a bunch at 740 in the morning. I know what was going on there. That was a leading question by you, Rake, and I appreciate it. I appreciate and, it. And, Andy, I'll play Mike Evans. You do you, bro. Whatever you <laughs> Rake, thank you as appreciate always. Appreciate it. Have a great call tonight. See you guys. All right, one more hour to go. Hanging out with you in the DriveHubler.com studios. It is the Wake Up Call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton hanging out with you. Reminder, miss any of the show. Check it out. Podcast Center 1075thefan.com. Apple, SoundCloud, many ways uh, you can find the show. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, no time to waste as we get ready for the Colts and Rams on Sunday. A man who will be on the call getting you ready for everything. And you know his name is Matt Taylor for so the Colts joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Andy. <laughs> I like that. that. <laughs> I like you that. You said a lot growing up from the Andy Griffith show. Uh, I got that none growing up because other kids didn't watch the Andy Griffith show. It's kind of No offense, oh. Mate, it's kind of a musty reference. Uh, <laughs> it's a yeah, little musty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get it. Yeah, it's a little it. musty. You know, there's, there's, there's some there's some dust on that reference. Yes. That was, that was the old soul of Matt there. Taylor coming out there. I always forget you're an old soul, Matt. I always forget that. That was that was every day before school. KB, Aunt B, and Andy, and uh, you know, seeing what uh, seeing how much trouble uh, they could get into in the jail. You know, with with the drunk guys uh, in Mayberry. That does not surprise me at all. Some kids watching Saved by the Bell before was, they got on the bus. I Matt was, Taylor's watching. Yeah, who needs Kelly Kapowski when you've got Andy Griffith, right? <laughs> Yeah, he's watching black and white television before going to school. Uh, well, Mate, I wanted to ask you. I just wanted to ask you this. I, just obviously the big game coming up. Uh, you know, they're all big games here in the NFL, but a huge game coming up on Sunday against the Rams. I want your thoughts on that. The return of Anthony Richardson, most likely Ryan Kelly, and everything else. But just going back, uh, great calls and what a what a thrilling win over the Ravens. You guys had to be sitting there, you know, four or five times, different times. You had to be thinking, okay, we're going to win this game. Now we're going to lose this game. What did you make? as all of it was playing out, uh, you know, stepping out the back of the end zone. Did Minshew, he pulled an Orlovsky. You had to think the Justin Tucker field goal was going to go in uh, and that Matt Gay was so fantastic. What did you make as you're sitting there and watching that game in the stadium? I mean, all of that, all of that. I mean, we were we were living and dying with every play, just like everybody else. I mean, it was just such a, a fascinating game. And, I mean, it just seemed like there for, like, I mean, whatever it was, you know, uh, 12, 13 minutes of, of football time when you factor in the fourth quarter and overtime, it was like every play, you know, every time there was a new line of scrimmage, you were doing the math in your head on how long is the field goal from here, <laughs> you know, both sides. Um, and you're right. I mean, I thought that Justin Tucker field goal was, was good. It looked good. It sounded good. It was certainly straight. It just came up, you know, three, four yards short. Um, you know, what can you say about Matt Gay? Uh, you know, he, he's just been tremendous, um, and that's why you, you pay money to a kicker. You know, your kicker, I think, needs to be, you know, one of your top five, seven options or uh, five, seven uh, weapons, I should say. But, you know, I, I know I've said this in, in, in shows past, but I think the biggest, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, positive or just the, the biggest feel-good story from that game is that, Finally, here the Colts, you know, made some plays, and they were the better team in crunch time. Right, you know, last year 
they they felt short in you know so many close games and you know weren't the team that uh, you know had the the inner fortitude to make plays when the game was on the line. All of those one score losses. It was just so refreshing to see the Colts be the team that you know their better players played better than the Ravens' best players down the stretch. It was the Colts, you know, coming through and in, in crunch time in the fourth quarter and overtime, making plays. Um, you know, being the team that you know rose the occasion, all of that stuff. I just thought it was really, really refreshing to see. You know, kind of putting an end to 2022, and there being a new chapter of this Colts team in terms of fight and competitiveness in 2023. It was really, really fun to see them get the job in overtime for everybody's sake, but I think more so for the players and the coaches' sake. Matt, I say this in all seriousness. I think Matt Gay should be announced last he might he maybe he should be the only person announced frankly coming out of the locker room on sunday like he just had and i don't think this is hyperbole he just had the greatest regular season kicking game in nfl history if anthony richardson had just had the greatest quarterback day he certainly would be announced last if deforest buckner had just had the greatest defensive day he'd be announced last you know what let's if you got any poll over there let's get matt gay announced last on sunday all right I mean, it really. I mean, I'm I'm for it. I really am. I mean, your your best players need to be, you know, spotlighted. And like I said, I mean, where, where would the Bengals be without Evan McPherson? Right. I mean, well, remember that playoff be, run they had, and McPherson was making the fifty yard bombs after fifty that's outdoors. Right. And, and, and you know, the the Bengals in that game, they're not putting up you know thirty thirty five points, but they're getting in enough position to be a threat to keep you know the Chiefs at bay in that AFC championship game and 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 make clutch 50-yard field goals and and that's that's to me that that was Matt Gay on Sunday it wasn't the fact that he made four field goals over 50 which is incredibly impressive but the fact that he did it when the Colts got to have points right they need to retake the lead or they need to uh, go up by you know six points and keep you know, the, the Ravens at distance a little bit or drilling a 50-yard field goal with 57 seconds to go or the game-winning kick from 53 yards out in overtime. That, to me, it, was, it wasn't the fact that he made four field goals over 50. It was when they came and just stepping up there. And what did he say this week? He's just going to go into blackout mode and keep everything simple, keep everything compressed in terms of the motion, the routine, and all of those kicks were just right down the middle, and there was there you know no doubt to any of them. And I'm all for it, man. Spotlight Matt Gay and let him run out, let him run out of the stadium like uh, he's a WWE superstar. Hell yeah, because that's what he was. <laughs> yeah, I, when he made those kicks in a one score game, the game was never more than one score either way. So all right. of that adds to it. All right, shifting gears to this Sunday, and again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. It'll be a one o'clock kick. Our coverage, uh, JMB will have you at nine. I'll join John just after that 9 o'clock hour from uh, Bullseye Event Center. Um, Matt, when you look at the Rams for me, you know, short week, big-time travel, again, another key injury on their O-line. We'll see about their starting tight end, Tyler Higbee. I feel pretty good about the Colts in this matchup. Uh, What would you say would be the scariest item Rams-related? And if I can, can we take Aaron Donald out of that answer? Well, yeah, we can because I think even without Aaron Donald, they have they have a really good defense. I mean, they're giving up only about 20 points per game. Uh, they held Cincinnati to 19 last week. They've held two of their three opponents under 20 points. 
Um, so that right there is going to keep him in the game. I mean, I know, I think, and I agree with you guys, I've heard you all week, I think this is a very gettable game for the Colts. I like the Colts to win this game, but I don't think it's going to be a, a runaway you know, affair for Indianapolis. I don't think they're going to win this game 31-17, to maybe like they did a couple of weeks ago against the Houston Texans. I mean, this is still a Rams team that has plenty of talent on both sides of the ball to keep this game competitive. And if the Colts don't play well, this is a Rams team that still should be able to win. Um, you know, they're not they're not the 2021 Rams, but they still have plenty of playmakers. You know, Stafford and Donald and um, Ernest Jones at linebacker. You know, I think they've got a pretty good front, a pretty good front seven. So they don't give up big plays. They're really good on third down defense. And they played some good good offenses so far. They played San Francisco so far. They played Cincinnati. And they played Seattle. And, again, they're not giving up a, you know, a huge point total. They're pretty good in the red zone. So that that's, to me, that those are the reasons why you know the Colts should still be fully 110% dialed in and focused on this Friday and then tomorrow on Saturday when they have a walkthrough just because they're coming back home after two road wins, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium against a one and two Rams team, nothing's guaranteed. And I think that's, to me, what I'm most eager to see on Sunday for this team is how do this team, how do they handle success, right? Because everybody going into this season thought that this team was going to be, you know, whatever, a, a six-win team or a seven-win team, whatever Las Vegas had for the Colts. Now here they are, they're 2-1, and one. they made a statement on the road against the Ravens, you look at the AFC South, the Jaguars are up and down, Tennessee looks like a, a complete mess right now, we'll see if they get their stuff figured out, but now all of a sudden, the trendy pick or the you know the, the spotlights on the Colts, it's one thing to, to have that chip on your shoulder and be the underdog, it's easy, that's an easy mentality to embrace, but how do you handle success? And that's what the Colts are having to deal with uh, starting this weekend. And you project that forward. You know, the month of October here, it's, it's very Lucas Oil friendly. Four of your next five games are at home. How can the Colts string together some consistency? And how do they handle success if they keep on winning? Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor with us here on the Fan on this Football Friday on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, we believe that it's going to be Anthony Richardson back under center or in the shotgun on Sunday. For me, uh, putting his play aside, I just want to see him start and finish a bunch of these games and be able to kind of go through the normal process of a long NFL season where he gets ready for a team and plays the game and you know gets his body right and kind of does the that, that same uh, process process over and over as we go. I want to see him start and finish a game, Matt. Uh, but I guess on the field, his play, if he is out there, and we believe that he will be, what are you looking forward to seeing from Anthony Richardson on Sunday? Well, I want to see the offense be a little bit more consistent. You know, obviously get some more chunk plays because right now with Richardson, I know it's a short or a small sample size, but he's averaging just under five air yards per pass attempt. That is the fewest among qualified quarterbacks. I think there's 34 qualified quarterbacks. And, you know, that's, you know, if you watch the games and you kind of just subconsciously think about it, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty short passes. Um, and I think that just goes back to, you know, the four out of the five quarters he was available. That was against the, the Jaguars, and they were taking the big shots away, you know, cover two, shell defense, you know, making everything be played in front of them in terms of the secondary. Um, but, you know, last week the Colts were successful. I, I give a ton of credit to Gardner Minshew 
you know, because he played a typical Gardner Minshew style of game, and I mean that as a total compliment. But in, in any NFL game, every quarterback is going to have to push the envelope. The The situations are going to dictate you you win the game with three or four throws down the field, outside the numbers, and Minshew did that. And I'm just excited to see when those shots uh, within the game and within the playbook come from Gardner Minshew, and if those shots go to Alec Pierce, if they go to Michael Pittman Jr. But inevitably, Richardson is going to have to, you know, essentially play some some winning football, quote unquote, um, by by trusting his arm, trusting his accuracy, and kind of put it up. And up for grabs for his playmakers to go make a play for him in this offense. He's voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Encourage all Colts fans out there. Uh, check out Inside Football with Matt and Rick Venturi. Comes out every Wednesday. It's a must listen to. In terms of uh, getting a little bit of, or I should say, getting a lot of, of intel into the upcoming game and the matchups within that game. Matt, I wanted to uh, certainly mention Michael Pittman through the first three games. He is the only player in the NFL right now with uh, at least eight catches in each of the first three games. I dove a little deeper into that and eight catches and at least 50 yards in each of those three games. He's the first Colts player to have done that since Reggie Wayne. What has stood out to you about just the consistent production Michael Pittman has given this offense here early in the year? Well, just the fact that he wants the ball, right? His his competitive spirit, like he wants to be the guy on third down. He wants to be the guy to take a screen that goes, you know, it, it's designed to go six, seven yards, and he turns it into a fifteen yard, you know, run after the catch and a first down, or that thirty nine year, uh, thirty nine yard uh, tunnel screen for a touchdown against the Jaguars. He just seems like a different guy this year in terms of mentality, approach. You know, he's that dog, and he's that tone setter, if you will, on offense within the wide receivers. That's the um, that's the, that re- the responsibility or the role that Shane Steichen bestowed upon him at the beginning of the season. But just the number of catches, he, he's turning into, you know, just the, the no-doubt guy the Colts look to and turn to on third and short or gotta-have-yards type of situations in the, goal, or, uh, in the red zone near the goal line. I mean, the only Colts with more catches in their first three games of the season, Marvin Harrison had 28 in 1999. Austin Colley had 27 in 2010. Pittman's got 25 through uh, the first three games. So, you know, he's on pace for a, a magical season. He's going into a contract year. And it's still crazy to think. I mean, I know Richardson's coming back this week, but he still hasn't had anything close to quarterback stability including this year around him. He's played with seven different starting quarterbacks, and you're just just excited to see Richardson come back for stability within this offense, but for Pittman to have stability and consistency at quarterback around him because one guy I think would do him a lot of wonders to gain chemistry and synergy with you know, on a consistent basis, being in the same huddle with the same guy. That would do wonders. All right, quickly, Zach Moss had 30 carries in the Baltimore game, Matt. He had 18 the week before against Houston. Obviously, the game plan's a little bit different with Minshew, you know, not running the way that Anthony Richardson will at least take a couple of those carries away. So if I do the average, it's 24 carries, uh, you know, per game in those first two games. KB, you could answer this one too. Over under 24 carries on Sunday for Zach Moss because that's his average. Yeah, I mean... I might go under. I might go slightly under. I might go 23. That's what I'll say. Well, 
Well, there's there's no reason to think he can't do it. I mean, because he's played eighty five percent of the snaps the last two games, and he's taken. I think it's like 48 of the team's 53 running back handoffs the last two games. Um, he's just having a terrific season. And really, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, highlighting why the Colts were so, I think, diligent or, you know, they targeted him in that trade with Naeem Hines. You know, a lot of us at the time thought, man, it's going to be a big loss to not have Naeem here. And you really didn't think about, you know, the, the, the prominence of Zach Moss, but, I mean, since he's been here, since he took over as the Colts, you know, primary running back, if you want to call it that, in Week 15, you know, Jonathan Taylor goes out that game against the Minnesota Vikings Week 15 of last year. Since that game, Zach Moss ranks fourth in the NFL in rushing, fourth in yards per carry, and he's fourth in runs over 10 with 15 explosive runs. I mean, this guy's one of the best running backs in the game in that time, and it just goes to show you, I mean, in Buffalo, he was never the feature back. Just because he didn't do it doesn't mean he can't. I mean, all these guys just need opportunities, and I just love the fact when hard work meets opportunity, that adds up to Zach Moss's production at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. He's got two 100-yard rushing games and two of his last three dating back to Week 18 last year against the Houston Texans. Um, There's no reason to think he can't keep going for – 25 carries per game. Now, do the Colts want that to happen? I don't know the answer to that. They probably need to be a little bit more spread out. But, I mean, if, if you're asking Zach Moss, hey, man, can you sign up today to carry the Rock 30 more times? He'd say, hell yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. And I think he can. Go 21 for Zach Moss on okay. Sunday. We'll go with a little bit more okay. for Trey Sermon in his second week here in Indy. Again, Matt Taylor's got you covered. Him, Rick Venturi, Lair Overton coming up. Kickoff at 1 on Sunday. Matey, always enjoy it. Let's pray for our Reds and uh, have a great call on Sunday. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I don't know about the Reds, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll, 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 do, we'll still watch. We'll do our best, man. It's been a good year. Pray for the Reds, and I guess pray for those other teams to lose as well. All right, thank you, Maytime. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. All right, boys. Yep, be good.